Welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast with your host, Eve Mayer. Join Eve and her guests each week as they discuss how to live a healthier, longer, and more fulfilling life through fasting, keto, and low-carb feasting. Hello, everyone. This is Eve and Levi, and I am here today to welcome you to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. We are so excited about our guest today. He is an expert on one of our favorite topics. What is our favorite topic, Levi? Meat. That's right, meat. We're joined by Bart Simmons today, who is the owner of 2S Ranch in Palo Pinto, mountains of North Texas. That's right, and Bart is a grass-fed, grass-finished rancher. Uh, He uses common sense and natural grasses to provide a healthier animal protein to the world. And along with the 2S Ranch, Bart and his family also own and operate the Provision House in Addison, Texas. And for the Simmons family, healthy meat is not just a product, it's a passion. They believe that you should be able to buy healthy meat from ranchers that you know and trust. So eating a ketogenic diet isn't just about like low carb and high fat. That's not all it's about. It's about consuming real food. If you know, we are huge Dr. Fung fans, and he talks about whole foods, real foods, unprocessed, as close as you can get to nature foods. So that really includes high-quality meats, and Bart is here today to chat with us about the benefits of quality meat and the best way to locate some for yourself. Hi, Bart. Welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. How are you? Eve, I'm doing real good. Good to see you and Levi again, man. You guys look great. Thank you. Well, Bart, um, I don't know if you know this, and, and Levi and I always talk about how adorable you and your family are, but how handsome you are, and, and what celebrity does he look like, Levi? I'm, I'm sure you've heard before the Sam Shepard comparisons, right? Um, Sam Shepard, Sam Elliott. Sam I, Elliott. Sam Elliott. My, my Sam. face is turning red. Sam Elliott. So for those of you that are not lucky enough to be watching the video version of this, just imagine a really hot gray haired fella (laughs) wearing a white button down shirt that looks a lot like Sam Elliott. Exactly. And he's a rancher. There's nothing that's cuter than that. He's a cowboy to boot. Yes. All right. So Bart, we're going to jump right into it. We've we've gotten to know you. We, We visited your ranch. We're fans of the Provision House. We are clients. We eat a lot of your products. Tell us about 2S Ranch. How do you raise your cattle, and why is it good for their health and and our health? You betcha, Eve. I'm really glad to talk about 2S Ranch. And let me just say this, too. Right now, I'm in the provision house. Levi had mentioned it. This is our meat company where we distribute our meat out to different people, and you can walk in. So I'm back here with the freezers, and so you may hear them humming back here with the meat. But I'm in Addison, but we also are out in Palo Pinto, like you, you and uh, Levi had mentioned. So we ranch about 50 miles due west of Fort Worth. We actually have a ranch in, in Palo Pinto, and we also operate a ranch down in Pecos County, down in the Trans-Pecos. So out you in have three Pinto, We've got two ranches, total okay. under control. Yeah, under control, we have about 10,400 acres, and we own about 9,000 of that, those acres. 1,400 in Palo Pinto and the balance down in Pecos. We run cattle on both of them. And uh, we've been ranching now, Eve, for about 17, 18 years. And uh, got in it. Uh, It was a passion I always wanted to do. My family has a history, or we've been in the grocery business, and my grandparents have been in uh, farmers and whatnot. And so we ended up buying the property. 
and st started out with a little cow-calf operation. And it eventually morphed into a full grass-fed, grass-finished operation. And so right now, we are one of the few companies, businesses, family-owned businesses in the United States where we do grass-fed, grass-finished beef. We're certified by the USDA. And we also sell that beef, or the, the, we process the cattle, and we sell our beef. And our beef so Bart, is I'm going to interrupt you real quick, and I want to tell people who are just turning into life in the fasting lane for the first time. We are talking to a friend of ours who is a rancher who sells meat products that are grass-fed and grass-finished. And we want to hear about his ranch, and we want to hear about his place. Um, if this sounds like an infomercial, yes, I love this place. And yes, you should order meat from it. But the main reason I wanted to have Bart on is when I began this journey into health and to weight loss, I didn't really get what grass-fed, why did it matter? Why should I pay more for grass-fed? Why does it matter? Is, does it really make a difference? Can I just buy grass-fed at Walmart or Whole Foods or whatever? How is it really going to make a difference in keto? How does it affect fasting? And I wanted to get to know somebody and go see their ranch and make sure I had found somebody that I believed in and I trusted. Because the more I unraveled about this, honestly, I'll tell you, honestly, Bart, the less profitable this business seems to me. And I wanted to understand why you did this and why people should actually consider grass-fed, grass-finished meat for their health. So I just wanted to set that up for everybody. Yes, I endorse this company, but I want you to understand why, because it really does make a difference, and it really is a big choice that you make for your health, and I want Bart to tell us the truth about it. So Bart, please continue as you were telling us about your ranch and the provision house. Sure, yeah, so we're grass-fed, grass-finished, and so what we do, Eve, we, we uh, graze out our cattle from the time we wean them, to the time we process them, they're never actually put in a feedlot. And if you don't put them in a feedlot, you know, if you put cattle, if you bunch up cattle and you put them in a feedlot, what you gotta do is you gotta lace their feed with antibiotics. And so other than we don't do that, what we do are our cattle on grass the whole time, we graze them out on like a big blue, little blue, a side oats from, a switch and an Indian grass. And those are all native Texas grasses. We also put them on like a Sudan and a winter grass. And uh, we also bail all of our own hay. So our cattle are always on uh, grasses that we bale or we grow and raise. And, uh, you know, cattle are ruminants. They're supposed to be on grasses. And if they're on grasses the whole time, then they have a better nutrient profile to the meat. So you'll get a lot better uh, omega-6, omega-3 balance. Uh, you'll have a lot better uh, conjugated linoleic acid in that meat. And, you know, conjugated linoleic acid actually helps reduce fat. And so it's a really good part of the meat profile. In addition, um, you, you have less E. coli issues. So every now and then you'll hear somebody say, oh, I've eaten some meat and they had an E. coli problem. If the cattle don't go into a feedlot, there's less chances the E. coli is going to be as bad. And we actually have a couple of customers that eat raw meat and they never cook their meat, they come and buy their meat, they want it raw, and they want to be sure it's grass-fed, grass-finished. There's less chance that they would get E. coli in their body, other than if you'd gone to a feedlot or something. So uh, the other thing too, Eve, is I'm real big about sustainability. And you know the whole concept of actually having a sustainable operation, and when I say that, I mean that I like to be able to produce my food now, 
and not compromise what future generations will do with, with the same deal. So by doing that, if you're doing grass-fed, grass-finished, it's a lot more sustainable. And by that, I mean, I don't have to put as many inputs. I don't have to put as much fertilizer, pesticides, herbicides, uh, antibiotics. I have less inputs I put in my overall operation, which makes it a lot more sustainable and better for customers. So, Bart, I, I think that grass-fed beef is a phrase that, that is coming into vogue a little bit. I think a lot of people have, have heard that before. Certainly, Walmart is selling grass-fed beef now, but you, you've been, always been really careful to say grass-fed and grass-finished, and I know you explained this to us when we visited, but can you talk a little bit about um, what, what it takes to label beef as grass-fed, and then what does grass-fed, grass-finished mean, and why is it different? Sure. Hey, great question, Levi. So all cattle have been on grass at some time. So when you see a mark, when you see a label and the label says grass fed, everybody can say that. That's a market claim. That's a claim I can say, hey, Eve, my cows are grass fed because at one point they all were on grass at one time. So there's no myth to that. That's not a lie. But when I say grass fed, grass finished, like Levi was talking about, and that means my cow were never put on grains. They were on grass the whole time. From the time that I took them off the tit on their mom to the time that I processed them, they're on grass the whole time. And of course, we know that cows are ruminants. They were made to eat grass. And so they ruminate that grass. They create the microbes. The microbes are in their gut. The microbes take a really non-edible, totally non-edible uh, source of food and make it edible. They're upcyclers. So grass-fed, grass-finished, Levi, allows me, uh, I'm one of the few people that can actually put that on my label. And to put it on my label, when you guys come in and you've seen my label at the, uh, that's been approved by the USDA, I had to send that label up to Washington. It had to be approved. And so I had to go through a rigorous uh, protocol to be sure that my cattle were grass-fed, grass-finished. You can go to Walmart, and you may see a lot of people say, oh, it's grass-fed. The cat, it's, it's grass-fed beef. But again, we all can say that. And so they were at one point, I don't know when they were, but at some point they ate one blade of grass. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no requirements by the USDA or by anyone with the grass-fed um, label. There, there's no standards, right? They just had to have eaten grass at one point. That, yeah, there's, these are all market claims, Eve. You know, on any type of meat label, uh, you know, they there's that's kind of a a market claim is almost like a, everybody puts them out there. You see these market claims like on ours, we have Gotaxin, we have grass-fed, grass-finished, non-antibiotics. We have to prove that. And so we had to prove that our cows were on grass the whole time. But anybody right now, it's almost like a given. If you have a cow, you can say grass-fed. And right. it, it doesn't mean that they were not on other things. Got it. So if you're looking for a label and you want to know that they were fed grass their entire lives, you're looking for grass finished. Those are the magic words. Yep. Let's talk about this a little bit because you grew up on a farm. Yeah. So um, you mentioned feedlot earlier and, and I, I grew up on a thousand acres of corn. So I'm, I'm familiar with, you know, the smell of, of, uh, of transportation day for the hogs and, and what a, what a hog hog lot smells like when you go by what the stock smell like, but, Talk about feedlots, and, and you mentioned that you're going to have to give them antibiotics, but what are some of the other consequences of, 
what is a feedlot and then what are some of the consequences of, of putting livestock there for an extended period of time? Sure. You know, most of the, the, the beef in the United States goes to feedlot. And so most cattle ranchers now, what we've done is we actually have a cow-calf operation. So what we do is we wean our calves when they're about 500 pounds, Levi, then we take them, they're transported, sold to a feedlot. And a feedlot is just a way to finish off the cow. And what you're doing there is you're putting them in a somewhat of a confined space. And you, like you said, you're from uh, the, the country. You've been out on a farm. You were raised on a farm. So you put all these animals somewhat in a confined space. It, it's not tight, but you see them in a yard, and the, and the feedlot can be a couple of thousand to 50 to 100,000 cattle. And when you drive by it, you usually can smell it. Mm -hmm. So you get that many animals, ruminants, they're sitting there, they're standing in their defecation, they're peeing constantly. And what they do is you're just trying to fatten them up. And the whole process there, Levi, is if I can take that cow and get it up to 1,000 pounds in 14 months, that's a lower cost proposition. So the cow's on grass and on his mama tit, mama's tit until he's about 500 pounds. The last 500 pounds he's putting in a feedlot, doesn't move a whole lot, and he's giving food all the time to fatten him up. When they get to about 14 months total, 1,000 pounds, then you process them. With what we do, ours is a little bit longer process. We're on grass from the time that we wean it off the mom till the time that they're about a thousand pounds. And that takes us about 22 to 26 months for us to get that good trim fat and the marbling that you want to give the steak and the meat the good taste. Uh, but the big difference is most feedlot beef, if you bought it, the fat on that feedlot beef, that steak, is about as white as my shirt. When you guys know this, I mean, you guys have been to the store. Eve, you yeah. bought a couple of days ago. The fat is yellow. It's got a lot of beta carotene in it. And you can eat every bit of the fat off our steak. And well, we eat all the fat off all <laughs> <Yes>. steak. Uh, <laughs> that is good to know. But I just want to, I, I want to repeat a few of the things sure. that you said that, that have stuck out to me during this process as a person who knew nothing about this, just nothing, right? I love animals. I yeah. do. And I have a dog, I like animals, I want them to be treated well. In college, I didn't eat meat for a year, it was a long year because <laughs> I want it to be good to animals. And I just wanna repeat a few of the things that you said because obviously this podcast is coming to you from Texas. And this fellow that we're talking to right now is from Texas. We are meat eaters, we are Texans, and I know people have a lot of ideas and, and Texas has many different types of people. So when you hear the statements that Bart has just made, a typical, a uh, cattle ranch or a typical place will raise cows and they'll exist for 14 months. They'll have a life for 14 months. A good period of that is spent in a feedlot, which is more of a combined area um, and a lot of its own waste and not moving very much so they can get to this weight so they're profitable more quickly. Whereas an individual ranch or people that are doing grass fed, grass finished, they have to keep the, co the cows for 20 to 24 months typically so they can gain enough weight and honestly it's less profitable unless you're selling it for a whole lot more money also you're looking at the difference in fat where there's a, a thinner layer or a more yellow layer of fat when you're doing this over a longer period of time that's more nutrient rich so i really didn't understand the difference i didn't i didn't get it so i wanted to understand that sure. cool one thing that, um, yeah one thing you mentioned that you hit on too is the animal welfare and i know eve i know you love animals and uh, 
we've got a lot of customers that come in and they're real concerned about that. And it's like anything else, Eve, if you put a lot of humans together, if you credit all of us together, I'd be getting into your personal space and leave us personal space. And at one point, we're all a little bit stressed out by doing that. Now, can you imagine if you crowded 50,000 of us together and you, you elevate the stress. And so my whole deal is, hey, look, I love my animals. Uh, I, everything about my process is you guys have been out at the ranch. I want everything to be as low stress and as good for my animals as it can be. But Bart, listen, how many acres did you have that we saw? We were at a place with how many acres? You had 1,400 acres. And how many cows were there about? We had a hundred, we've got about 120 right now on those 1,400 acres and we're dropping calves every day right now. We are dropping calves every day. I just wanted to say like, this was like the Beverly Hills of being (laughs) a cow. Yeah, we had to take a a bit of a drive before we saw the first couple of heads. And they were like, they were like, hey, what are you doing? And they're, they're looked like dog fur like it was shiny these were and Eve, shimmery Eve said these were some happy cows I and, mean, and they really were and they were they were just having a cheerful they were like day. have you seen my life it was kind of amazing so just wanted to point that out that might not be the situation for everyone but these were um some happy cows and they're getting instead of 14 months they're getting 20 months of life and they're out in nature and free and it's it's interesting to hear that because of course we have these discussions about people trying to eat responsibly, people trying to do what's best for their body, for sustainability, for animals, for, and and I get that it's a struggle for everyone. And so I appreciate everyone listening to this conversation with an open mind. Um, Any other questions? So people, let's say people who don't live around you and and they they have to buy meat locally, um, what should they be asking their butcher? What should they be looking for? How should they find a good meat supplier? Sure. Great question, Eve. And, uh, you know, you go to your butcher and I'll just a couple of things I would do. Number one is look at the meat and smell the meat. And another butcher, like he's, he's trying to move the meat. He's probably not a rancher. He's bought it from somebody like me. So he's trying to move it. And so I would look at the color. Number one, I would, if you can get a, if you can smell it, because what they do is most meat that's not frozen they inject with carbon monoxide to keep it real red. And so you kind of want to look at that to be sure there's not a sheen or the smell, but then ask them some questions. I would say, number one, hey, so are you buying this directly from a rancher? Or are you getting it from a, food, uh, a meat processor? So, and if he says the meat processor, there's really about five to six really big ones. Ask him, is it JBS? Is it Tyson's? Which uh, natu- uh, national ca- uh, beef? Ask him which one. If he says the ranch, which ranch? Also, too, is it imported or exported beef? Because if you can imagine, if you're bringing this beef in from another country, imagine all the touches to make that happen. And then if he does say it's from a ranch, well, could you tell me a little bit about the ranch? Uh, do you know the ranch? Or have you talked to him? Is it grass-fed, grass-finished? Is it feedlot beef? And so those are some really good questions. And I think you will really quickly understand that butcher if he's really behind the curtain getting to know the uh, the beef providers and that's a really great question a good thing to do thank you so much bart and listen i know that people that listen to our show have all levels of income some of us are loaded some of us are super tight with money right now and a lot of us are everywhere in between and this is not a show that says you know for the rest of your life you have to eat grass-fed grass-finished beef 
is this show telling you, here's what it even means, here's what the difference is, and the one that you can do is just step up your awareness, to so just start being aware and educated on these things so you can make choices when you're able to make those choices. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, everybody has a pricing point, and that's a great point, and we just want people to consider eating meat, but the pricing point is always out there, and everybody's got to take that into consideration. Yeah. So, Bart, I know, uh, I think in our earlier conversations, you mentioned that, uh, and one of the reasons you were so excited to talk to Eve is that you've, you've done some fasting yep. in, in the recent past, so we want to ask you about that, and and maybe in addition to that tell us a little bit about you mentioned a couple of your clients that are that are on the carnivore diet that are like even even more strict i think than any of us would consider ourselves I in think terms he's of doing carnivore now are you doing carnivore now yeah i, I kind of morphed you know i did uh slowly but surely was a low, low carb high fat and then i'm about a 95 percent carnivore so for the most part levi i do seafood uh i do ruminant meat I'll do a little bit of cheese, a lot of eggs. I don't do any pork and chicken. So that's kind of our diet. No fruit at all and very little bit. You know, if it's a seasonal vegetable, I may do it. But uh, for the most part, I don't do that. It just doesn't work for me. And the looping back into regards to your question, question about fasting, uh, I have taken my carnivore protocol and I've buckled it in with my fasting and it's really helped me in regards to brain fog, some of the health issues I've had. And what I usually do, uh, I usually practice a 16 hour fast every day. So I ate last night, I have not eaten today. Today I'm actually on a 24 hour fast, I'll eat tonight when I get home. And so it's a 24 hour fast. So usually I do a 16 hour fast three to four days a week. I do a 24 hour fast, maybe one to two days a week. And then a 48 to maybe a 36-hour fast once a quarter. And it has really helped me in a couple of different situations, Levi. Uh, I've got some skin issues that have definitely improved. And part of their improvement was my more meat diet. But also I'm going to give a little bit of credit, some credit to the fasting. It's made a big difference. I'm, I'm a lifelong sufferer of uh, eczema and uh, psoriasis. And those things have just really tamped down. I know they're under my skin. If I go to my protocol, they, they flare up. So they're still there. The monster's down there. I just try to keep it at bay. And so also too, uh, even I shared a couple of stories, you know, I've dropped out. I, I one time was up to about 230 pounds and I'm right about 190 now. So feel a lot better. My joints feel better. Everything about me, no heartburn. So all those things with fasting have really improved my, my health. And I think to follow up on that, I'm curious, as you were going through this, about, like about how long ago did you, did you sort of consciously start doing this? And as you were going through it, if you don't want to share, I understand. It's kind of a personal question. But what was the response from your doctor when you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop eating breakfast i'm going to start eating all the fat and all the meat and not as many vegetables like what obviously it's had a benefit for you but what was what was the response as you started to share that with your family and your and your medical professionals yeah sure so number one i've had the same doctor for over 20 years he's a traditional doctor and i like him we've got a good relationship most most patients you like that relationship with your doctor so once i start doing this and one thing i, I need to pass on i'm a uh, 20 year sufferer of, of hypothyroidism. So I've been, uh, you know, I've got to really balance my thyroid out. 
and, and my doctor has been real good with that. My medication slowly but surely come up. When I went carnivore, first time ever, I was able to take a dip in my daily medication. I went from 137 micrograms a day down to 112. But when I went to my doctor, I had my annual physical leave. And my doctor looked at it. He said, you know what? I think we can drop your medication. I told him some of my improvements. And my lipid panels also actually improved. My HDLs went up. My LDLs didn't change. And my triglycerides went down. My doctor said it was all attributable to my weight loss. He couldn't quite give the credit. <laughs> well, the weight loss has helped. Yeah, but the weight loss was from my diet. And my fasting, they just, he couldn't quite say it. And yeah. uh, I'm real anxious. I go every year. I'll be going in the uh, first of March. I can't wait to go again and just see that, that conversation. He's coming around. He's about my age. But they just have a hard time saying it. I, don't, I think most doctors, uh, they're great doctors, but they're not well-schooled in nutrition. They're not. They get about four hours, four to six yeah, hours yeah. in college on nutrition in their entire medical education. And we expect them to have all the answers for us while they're sitting there trying to solve our our medical woes that are probably a lot caused by what we're eating. So like, I think most doctors really care and really want to do the right thing and really try, but it's so limiting the situation that we're in. Eve, I heard the best thing the other day, because I know you're uh, an animal lover. If you took a sick animal to the vet, the first thing my vet says when I take one of my dogs is, what have you been feeding it? Yeah. It's the first thing my vet says. What has he been eating? My doctor never says that. And our doctors all need to have that question first. Before they start giving us the pills and treatment, the first thing they ought to say is, Bart, what have you been eating? And that would really, that's what we need. We're hearing it from our vets. They say it. Well, why don't our, why don't our people doctors say that? Yeah, we're just big animals. That's really all we are. <laughs> so that true. makes a lot of sense. Bart, what is your Twitter handle? Oh, my. Uh, well, I'm at uh, Simmons Bart. So you can pull me up at Simmons Bart. And the ranch has a Twitter account. You can just pull up the 2S Ranch. Uh, the Provision House does also. We're big on Facebook. I mean, we're big. We've got a, a, our, our website is the 2S, uh, 2S Ranch, the number 2S Ranch, as well as the Provision House. And I really appreciate you guys mentioning it. The Provision House is owned by us. It's our way to get our meat out there. It's actually in Dallas, Addison. Uh, we would have it out at the ranch, but there's only the closest <laughs> community to us is 78 people, Lone Camp. You guys have been out there. I was yeah. it's, it's a bit of a haul. Yeah. Out, the, the, the internet's terrible out there, so we can't. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> no, we're definitely going to post about it, but I especially wanted people to check you out on Twitter because you are a weird fellow. First of all, you are like all about Twitter, which is very bizarre. So Simmons Bart, please follow him on Twitter. I like the things that you post because you talk about meat, you talk about health, you talk about eating, you talk about education around all of these things. Um, you retweet a lot of people that, are, that I hadn't discovered before and, and I like it. So please follow him on Twitter. We're also going to be posting all the other information that you can find about Bart. Um, but, you know, on Life in the Fasting Lane, we are all about choice. We're going to tell you stories about people in the future who are vegetarians and do fasting and are having a lot of success. We're talking to Bart today, who has now gone from mostly keto to mostly carnivore and does fasting and has a lot of success. I 
think your doctor is a great person to start with to ask, but in the end, you're going to have to test things and prove things right and wrong and make your own damn decision about your health. <laughs> you have to. Nobody else can do this. Maybe what Bart's doing is completely right for you. That's not what we're saying. We're saying this is one way, and here's a super hot guy this is working for, and maybe you'll have the same story, but maybe you won't, but you have to take responsibility for it. Nobody has all the answers. Nobody knows what ailments you have or what struggles you have or what even emotional issues you have with your, your uh, weight. You know, there's things that we all have to overcome. So use these stories to find something that works for you or find things to rule out. Um, what else should we ask? About? Um, I, I guess the last thing I, I had in mind, Bart, was any other thoughts you have just on sort of where our food comes from and what people need to be thinking about you know, we talked a lot about meat today, obviously, but I think there's a, you know, I've seen a lot more farmer's markets recently, and I, I find the one in Dallas hilarious because it's a big farmer's market. There's some great stuff there, but I can buy Dole pineapple at that farmer's market, which seems to be kind of a contradiction. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts about, about sort of locally sourced food or, or a move back away from industrial agriculture in that, in that regard. Great question and good point. And, and I've been down there too to the farmer's market and had the same observation, Levi. I think the whole thing is I really like the fact that we're getting closer. A lot of people, particularly in cities, have no idea how that food got on their plate. And I think we all need to be saying, how did that food get on the plate? Who are the people that are putting the food on the plate? There's 330 million people in the United States. Less than 1% of us are involved in food and actually putting that food on your plate. So who are they? How does it get there? And then who are, you know, I would always look as, you know, try to get that food to less ingredients. Try to get it down to whether they're less ingredients, whether it's meat, vegetable, or fruit, or nut. And uh, really ask, find out who's growing this. How's it being grown? What are the processes? How, how are the livestock being raised? How are they being treated? but really connect with them. And if you can find any direct buyers, I think it's always good. And Levi, I'm gonna put a plug in here. I know you guys, your followers are everywhere, internationally. Sure. I'm not saying buy from me, just try to buy local. If you're somewhere, try to buy local because one, number one, that's less fossil fuels that are used. And you're getting directly with that guy, you're gonna help him. If there are no local guys, hey, you can always go online and buy, we, we ship. But I would say buy local, get in, get in contact and make a relationship with that rancher or farmer and get to know them. And man, they're gonna love you for it. They love to show their places. They love to, I mean, I love having you guys out there. That's what it's all about. Awesome. Aww, I love that. Aww. So I think what we learned today is Bart is adorable and buy local. These are the two main <laughs> points we need to walk away with. Bart, one more time, can you remind people what website do they go to to learn more about Provision House and 2S Ranch? Sure, thanks a lot. And it is the number two, 2S Ranch is our website for the ranch. And the website for our beef is The Provision House. And I want you to follow Bart on Twitter at Simmons Bart. And we will yes. get those links and Bart's Twitter handle all in the show notes. So I, I know some of you are listening while you're driving. Please do not pull the car over on the interstate <laughs> and start writing this down. Check the show notes. We'll have all the links, all the handles, all the places you can find out more about Bart and his ranch and some resources on getting the best meat you possibly can. 
Bart, thank you so much for being our guest. We so appreciate it. Hey, love you guys. Thank y'all so much for letting me be on here. It was a real honor. Thank you, Bart. Everybody else, please check us out at FastingLane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at FastingLane. To your health and hotness, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Life in the Fasting.